You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world and make an impact in our own unique way. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to heart-led creatives. Hi, and welcome back to the second solo episode of season three. I'm considering doing podcast episodes every two weeks rather than every week, but I haven't quite decided yet. So I'm going to give it another week to figure out what feels good and then you'll be the first to know. I'm just warning you just in case there's no new episode next week. But yeah, because I dropped the ball on the episode the week before and it's kind of fitting actually because this week I'm going to talk about failing and more specifically I'm going to talk about three things that I see as failures that have happened in my business and they're all quite different and a couple of them are quite um, personal and I hope that me sharing them will be useful to you. And of course, I'm going to share my views on failure in general as well. But before we jump into the episode, I wanted to let you know that I'm running a brand new online workshop on October the 3rd, although there will be a replay and a chance to ask questions for anyone who can't attend live. Um, The workshop is all about quiet visibility. In other words, getting intentional about how you show up as a nervous, as a shy, introverted, awkward, tired or busy human. It's aimed at online business owners and it's going to include several specific exercises that will leave you hopefully feeling confident about the way you show up online and sell what you do in a way that is totally in line with your personality and your energy levels. I'm so excited about this topic and I know that so many people are going to benefit from this and it just felt really good to me to sort of put it all together in a really actionable and easy to digest workshop because I suppose that fits along with the theme of it you know not overloading yourself and just sort of being really intentional about what you're doing so yeah it's actually a really affordable way to benefit from my business mentorship and you can find out more at ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash classes Okay, second thing. If you've tuned in lately, then you'll know that I have a very big goal to reach 100 reviews by the time the podcast turns one on October the 10th. I'm going to be honest with you, I am nowhere near yet. I've got almost 40 reviews, but I am a lot higher than I was when I first set the goal. So anyway, could you do me a favor and leave me an iTunes review? You can do it either from the podcast app or from a desktop within the iTunes app. And yeah, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's already done it because genuinely it really does mean a lot. And something extra, I've decided I'm going to sweeten the deal and hopefully get you to take action because I know that leaving a a review on a podcast is often a bit of an effort because sometimes you're listening when you're doing something else and you have to like make that effort to remember and sit down and leave the review. So yeah, I'm working on a little prize draw and I'm going to include everyone who leaves a review by October the 10th or who already has so far. Um, I don't know what the prize is yet. I'll let you know once I figured it out, but I thought why not just mention it because I am planning to do something. So yeah, thank you to everyone who's already left a review. Okay, so onto the episode. It's all about failure. Um, so I sat down and I decided to think about all the times when I failed in my business. I don't know why, but I just feel called to talk about this topic right now. It's probably because I'm seeing a shift in myself in how I am willing to fail in public. (laughs) And actually, I'm going to talk a bit more about that later on in the episode. But yeah, so I set myself this challenge to sit down, think about all the ways I have failed in my business because I've been in business for like 11 years. So of course, there's going to be times when I have failed and there are times when I failed. The first thing that really came to mind was not being myself and not trusting in myself as a business owner. But then I kind of had a word with myself and I was like, no, I am not calling that a failure. There's no way. 
Because if I call it a failure, and if you have ever felt the same as me, that you haven't been able to be yourself or you haven't trusted in yourself as a business owner, and I know that this is a really common feeling, I definitely would not be calling you a failure. And I really don't believe you're a failure. So if that is true, and it is, then I don't believe myself to be a failure for that either. Because honestly, I do think it's a thing. Like, I'm calling it a thing. Feminine entrepreneur shaming. It is a thing. Wanting to run a business in line with the sort of more feminine feelings, thoughtful side, in combination with the more masculine, productive, getting things done, ambitious side. And, you know, coupled with that, you know, you've also got loads of different nuances in your personality. Like, for example, I'm an introvert and I am shy in certain situations and that for me has always made it harder for me to sort of drown out the external noise and trust in myself and I'm not going to blame myself for that anymore so I'm not including it on my list of failures but I am mentioning it because I think it's really important. It does take a lot to sort of forgive, I don't know if forgive is the right word but just sort of allow myself to believe that I have gone through a journey. When you are sort of different to the norm or you're doing things differently to the norm, then it takes a lot to be able to trust yourself. And it is not a failure if it takes you a while to get there. The fact that you're doing it in the first place is amazing. And the truth is, obviously, and everyone says this, but none of the things that I'm going to talk about are really failures. But they're not quite on the same level as this first one. So yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the things that I have done in my business, which I see as probably actual failures but obviously they're not really failures they're all done for a reason and they all have lessons learned out of them but yeah let's talk about them okay so the first one I couldn't get this example out of my head when I was thinking about where I failed in my business so in the early years of my business I remember I did loads of different kinds of work I mainly worked as a copywriter and that kind of was consistent throughout my whole online business career but I did do other kinds of freelance work and one of them was website development. So I didn't design the websites, but I put them together for people. And I actually did some copywriting, but also like uploading the content to the websites and helping them customize different WordPress themes and things like that. So I had a client and I remember at the time I had just moved flat. I'd moved to a new flat. The other flat we lived in, unfortunately, was sold while we were living there because we were renting And it was kind of stressful and we had to move and it was okay. We had a new place. But the thing is, I was just exhausted, but I felt like I couldn't take any time off. So I was working on this client's website. I did not back it up. And then I went into the kind of file manager and I was doing something. Can't remember what I was doing, but I do remember what happened. I deleted all of the files on that client's website. Obviously, that in itself is definitely a failure. Like, there's no getting around it. I had to grovel to this client. I had to do loads of free work to get it back up. Luckily, this website was like in its early stages. It's not like I deleted, you know, years and years worth of content and work. But still, oh, I not only screwed things up for the client, I screwed things up for myself by creating extra work for myself. Um, so that in itself, yes, is a really specific failure. But the kind of bigger failure that I see is that in those early days of my business and when I started freelance writing and doing all these other things... I was charging an absolute pittance. Like I was charging so little, I am embarrassed to say how much I charged. So yeah, because I was charging too little, I had to take on a lot of work. And I thought that that was okay because I found it really, really, really easy to get work. And there's obviously a reason why I found it so easy. It's because I was so cheap and I was 
better than the other people who were that cheap. But obviously at the time, it was really hard for me to sort of claim that. And I thought I had to charge too little. Even when I had too many clients, even when I had loads of referrals, I still felt like I had to charge too little. I was really, really overworking myself. And I was also, on the other side of that, it wasn't just about not knowing my worth. It was also about being stuck in that kind of hustle mentality. Like I felt like I had to work hard. And the truth is I was working really, really hard (laughs) and overworking myself to the point where I was so tired that I did really mindless things like not backing up a client website and deleting the whole thing. I always, I I actually bring this subject up a lot of charging too little when you start out because I know it's really, really hard and I'm not shaming anyone for what you charge. I don't actually think there's anything wrong with charging less than the market average when you're first starting out because it's really valuable to get those first few clients, to get those first few testimonials, to get those first few referrals and to boost your confidence. The problem comes when you find yourself in that place that you're really reaching burnout. And I had a really like flexible life back then, didn't have any responsibilities, didn't have children, anything like that. So I felt like I could just work all hours and I was also quite young. So I felt like, oh, well, I'm just sort of paying my dues. But I didn't need to. That's the thing. I had enough work. I had enough referrals. I didn't need to. So if you're in that place where you are feeling overworked and hustling and stuff, I just want to say consider the fact that you could be charging too little or consider the fact that it could also be a bit of a mindset shift that you need to think about how hard do you really need to work to earn the money that you deserve? Like you don't need to work yourself to the ground. You really, really don't. So yeah, that was the first kind of obvious failure that came to mind. The second one is a bit different. I don't know how to put it in a really succinct way, but basically it was my attitude and a kind of scarcity mindset. I think that that is evident in what I said in the last failure. But what I mean specifically by this one is that I was jealous of other people. This is a bit difficult to talk about. It makes me feel a bit like, oh, are people going to judge me? But I ultimately think that people will relate to this. So I was jealous of other people. I saw everyone as my competition. And I I didn't think that, you know, I didn't think that there was more than enough work out there for everyone. I thought other people were my competition. I was jealous of them. I was either jealous of them or I really wanted to be exactly like them. And I think that's a really dodgy place to be. But I think it's a really good sign. You know, if you're either really jealous and annoyed by people or you just like love them and want to be like them, that's a sign that there's something deeper going on that you need to like figure out within yourself, like get a bit more confident in yourself. And the reason I see this is as a failure, and I don't like all these failures. It's not exactly a failure, it's just a learning process. But once I started to collaborate with people who were doing the same sort of thing as me, it helped my business so much. They referred people to me, I referred people to them. I learned a lot from these people. People would like willingly give me amazing advice on um, conversations we would have and I would share advice with them and it was just so lovely. It doesn't even matter whether they referred people to me or gave me that advice. I suppose the thing that really matters is just feeling like you're in it with someone else because you're working on your own, you're figuring all this stuff out on your own. It's nice to kind of have that feeling like you have colleagues, (laughs) you have people who get it and there's other people who are kind of supporting you because people in real life didn't really get what I do they don't really get what I do and that's okay but 
it's just nice to have people who do get it and people you can share the good stuff with or people who you can go to for support when you need it. And I do think that it ultimately comes down to an attitude of scarcity and also kind of insecurity in yourself. So like I said, don't beat yourself up if you can relate to this. I've been there. I know what it's like. And I do think it's a deeper mindset thing about your worth and your kind of scarcity mindset. And it takes time to unlearn that stuff. Okay, so the third failure was going to be tying my self-worth to my income. And again, I feel like this is something I've mentioned a few times. I've definitely mentioned it a few times in podcast interviews that I've done with other people. But then I decided that actually that's pretty related, I think, to the first thing I mentioned at the start of this episode about that kind of not being myself, not trusting myself I think it's really really hard when you're different to other business owners when you're like quiet you're a woman you I don't know I just think tying my worth to my income yes was a mistake but ultimately it was a a follow-on effect from that so that's not my third failure my third failure is something really specific and it goes back to almost a year ago now so Where I was almost a year ago, um, it was October, I think, of 2018, and I was just starting this new business. I was just starting this podcast. I was just figuring out where to go with my new business. I hadn't even started taking on one-to-one clients yet. I didn't really know what my business was. I knew that one of my areas of expertise was email marketing, because that's basically how I ran my other business for a whole decade and, you know, built it to a six-figure business It was all to do with emails. So I thought, great, this is the best place to start because I feel so confident about this email marketing. I feel really confident about it. So I put together a free email marketing challenge. And I know a lot of you listening to this will have done it because I've run it again since. I've done it this year as well. And it went really well. I got like, I can't remember how many signups, a couple of hundred signups, which I was really, really happy with. And bear in mind, this is an absolutely brand new business with a very small audience. So I'm really happy with that. And then on the back of that, I put together a sales page for a really in-depth email marketing course. And the email marketing course would take you from growing your email list, getting more subscribers, putting together freebie, writing to your email list, selling through your email list and more advanced stuff with your email list. So it's really comprehensive. So I put all this together and I started selling it and I had... It was it was October or November, I think. And I had a few messages from people saying, oh, I like the sound of it. But, you know, I'm so busy with Christmas and all of that. I had a couple of messages from people who were interested in buying it, but hadn't, you know, actually bought it yet. And I just stopped talking about it. I freaked out. I just thought, why are not loads of people buying this straight away? Even though I had 200 people sign up to the freebie. Although the truth is that there's, I mean, I don't buy into these stats all the time, but I think that they're useful. The truth is like, it's something like, one or two percent of people who you email the stuff to or who are in your audience will actually buy the stuff so if I go on that number it would be like two or four two to four people so it's not that many anyway based on my audience size but yeah like I said those stats don't always mean everything depends how you sell stuff and who your audience is and all of that but yeah so I freaked out I think I sent like one or two emails I can't remember how many emails and then I just thought oh my god I'm not selling it. And then I just stopped talking about it. I didn't even say why I stopped talking about it. I just stopped talking about it. And then I thought, oh, I'm a failure. I really, really bought into the idea that I was a failure because, especially because I was helping people build their businesses, I thought that because I didn't sell loads of spaces in this course that I was a failure and a fraud, which looking back, I just think is not true because I do have 
11 years of business experience and I have built a six-figure business with my email list just because I didn't sell out a course with a very small audience the first time around does not make me a failure because that's not exactly how online business works for everyone. Obviously, some people do it like that, but other people, it takes a bit more time. The other fact is I just stopped talking about it because I freaked out. So therefore, of course, I wasn't going to sell any spaces because I stopped talking about it. So yeah, had all those stories about being a failure. I thought, oh, no one's interested in this. And I shelved the idea for a while. And then I waited a few months and I launched another course in January and I sold spaces. It was on a different topic though. And then back in June this year, I ran my free email marketing course, free email marketing challenge again. I got even more signups and it was amazing. I got loads of engagement, loads of people sharing it. And yeah, after the challenge was over, I sold a new email marketing course. Now it was based on what I had put together the year before, but after I didn't sell the course back in October, November last year, I had a massive sense of relief. Like it did not feel right. So even though I freaked out and stopped talking about it, ultimately I was really glad that that happened because it was so much information and it would have been really not the best course I could have created had I gone forward with it. So now when I look back, it just feels like it was totally the right thing. But back then, like I said, it made me feel really shaky and like I was a total fraud and a failure. So when I sold the course again in June, I totally honed in on a more specific element of email marketing, which was writing your email, selling via email and connecting with your subscribers. I did not talk about growing the email list, putting out freebies and all of that. It felt really, really good. I got a really good amount of signups and I wrote a course that I am so proud of like I'm so proud of it and I cannot wait to run it again it's actually not open now so this is not a promo for that course or anything it's just to say that I failed and I was really scared to talk about it back then and I'm okay to talk about it now because time has passed but yeah it's there's a lot of lessons in that one about how it wasn't right anyway and it led to me doing the thing that is right for me but also about making assumptions about how other people are doing you never know how people are doing behind the scenes I don't know how you perceived me to be doing but yeah I didn't sell any of that course and I decided to stop talking about it so yeah those are my three failures and like I said none of them are 100% failures they have all led to important realizations important changes in my business and just when you look back, it's really easy. I suppose that's what I'm going to talk about next. It's like, it's when you have that experience of being in business for a long time, it does get easier to fail because it's really easy to look back at all your history and business and to know that whatever things you did in the past all led you to exactly where you are now. And whether whether where you are now is not an easy place or whether it's an amazing place, it's still valuable. So for example, me not selling that course even if I didn't create a different, a slightly different course this year and sell that one and feel really good about it, it would still lead to me being able to talk about it here with you now and to connect with you in a different way and to hopefully make you feel less alone if you've had the same experience or to help you perhaps tweak what you're doing and not give up just because one thing failed out of all the things you could possibly do ever. The truth is that I've had a real block about sharing my failures or about sharing any kind of goals in public that may lead me to be seen to be publicly failing like that's one of my real issues so if you heard at the at the start of this episode about how I'm asking you to leave me a podcast review because I want to get 100 reviews 
I am at 38 reviews at the time of recording this. Not so long ago, I would never have shared a goal like this because it's a goal that you can literally check to see how I'm meeting it. And that's really scary for me because it's scary to think, oh, people will know I set a goal to get 100 reviews and then they'll see I've only got 38 and they'll think I'm a rubbish business owner or they think I'm a rubbish marketer. I'm really stepping out of that way of thinking because the truth is before I started asking people to leave me a review, I think I had, I probably had half the number of reviews that I do now. So I've doubled my reviews And I may still get to 100 reviews. I may not, but I'm really okay with that. And I think that being willing to fail and especially being willing to fail publicly is a massive, massive leap for any online business owner. And yeah, it takes time to get there and it's okay to start with small things, but I'm just putting it out there that it's okay. And it's really okay if you talk about it like this. Like I'm I'm betting as soon as you talk about it and as soon as I talk about these failures, people will just be like, me too. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. I mean, I've seen it with other people and I felt it as, as someone reading what other people have written. So yeah, um, I was also going to say, if you just Google um, big business mistakes, there's so many things like I've just got a, a totally random article here. One of them is, oh, Excite, which was and the number two search engine back in 1999. I think that vaguely rings a bell. Um, they could have bought Google for less than a million dollars. And now it is apparently worth 173,333 times that amount. So they missed out. It happens. But if they had done it, then it would have been the owner of Google who lost out. So there you go. And then, of course, there's MySpace. Everyone knows about MySpace. Actually, everyone doesn't know about MySpace because it was doing amazingly and then suddenly it wasn't. So, yeah, all of that stuff. I just find that really interesting. And I I think it's really easy to like, um, what's the word? It's easy to think, oh, these big businesses make failures and that's okay. But it ultimately still comes down to people making choices. And that's what we are. And I know that that's why our failures are really hard to talk about and think about and risk happening because it's us, like it's on us. But those failures are still on someone. So I think it's kind of comforting to remember that. The other thing I was going to say, actually, about setting public goals is that some people will never think what you achieve is good enough. I think that your own internal motivation matters more than what people think externally. And I was actually thinking something really came strongly to mind with this. And a few years ago, I ran the London Marathon. And that was a massive, massive achievement for me. I'd never been really a sporty person or anything. And I did it in like just under five hours, which some would consider to be good and some would consider to be absolutely rubbish. And I was talking to someone I knew about it. I won't say who. And they and I they were like, oh, how long did it take you? And I was like, oh, four hours, 48 minutes. And they're like, oh, and I was like, hang on a minute. I am proud of that achievement. I don't want anyone to rain on my parade. And I think with that, I was so internally motivated about it. And I wasn't really caring about the time that much. Because like I said, I've never had like a really sporty background or anything that I was able to just brush off that comment. But had it been something like in my business... A comment like that would really get to me, but it's really important to remember sometimes your amazing achievements are never going to be good enough for other people. And that's that kind of makes it easier to just have that risk of failing in the first place. And the last thing I really want to mention is that idea, not even of failing in public, but of just failing to yourself. I think that that is stronger than we give it credit for. Like how many of us don't set goals totally private goals because we're worried we can't meet them I know I'm guilty of it and um, in an email I sent out to my list a little while ago 
I said, don't be afraid to set big goals because dreaming is free. And this is a reminder that I actually set myself on my phone because I am someone who struggles to set goals because I fear that I won't meet them, even though there's no external repercussions. And I suppose this is the negative side of being a really internally motivated person is that you really kind of feel like you let yourself down and therefore you're afraid of even setting the goal in the first place. But yeah, I know that sometimes we can't even admit what our biggest goals actually are. And we're worried that they won't come true or we're worried that they do come true and it turns out they're not really what we wanted. But yeah, the failures, the mistakes and the dreams that don't quite happen are all just part of the journey of being an entrepreneur and building up your business. So, and obviously this is a message for myself as much as it is for you. Let's not run away from our fears and our failures. Let's just embrace them as a part of figuring it all out and as a part of doing it all imperfectly. When I think of it all as doing it imperfectly, it makes me just, it just takes a bit of pressure off. I am doing it imperfectly and you are doing it imperfectly in your brilliantly unique way. So yeah, I hope these thoughts have been useful and encouraging to you. I actually have a question that I want you to answer and you don't have to answer it to me. I just want you to write it down somewhere. And that is, what are you putting off out of fear of failure? What are you putting off out of fear of failure? And I really want you to hopefully journal on that. Maybe talk to someone else about it if you don't like journaling or if you've got a coach or something. And I just think it's a very interesting question because if you're putting something off out of fear of failure and that's the only reason you're putting it off, then I think it means it's something that you really need to do. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just going to mention again that workshop that I am running on the 3rd of October and again there's going to be a replay and a chance to ask questions for anyone who can't attend live it's going to be all about quiet visibility and you can find out more at ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash classes and you know what I think some of the stuff I've talked about today is linked to that it's all about putting yourself out there and being ambitious in a really intentional way that fits with your personality and your energy levels anyway I'm so excited to share that with you like I said I just think this is something I know so many people are going to benefit from. And yeah, if you feel like sharing your failures with me off the back of this episode, then I'm going to have an Instagram post about the episode. So I'd love for you to share it there. But otherwise, please do like do some journaling and some thinking on that question. What are you putting off out of fear of failure? Okay, I'll catch you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.